Chapter Twenty of the Widow Married: A Sequel to the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty. Matilda is once more restored to her patty. The stubborn necessities attending nocturnal hospitality painfully displayed. Another adventure which brings back a long absent friend. As Mrs. O'Donagough herself was very little better acquainted with the general localities of London than her young daughter, there were but two methods by which they could hope to reach the desired bourne of Bellevue Terrace, Brompton, in safety, the one being by the guidance of a hackney coachman, the other by that of Mr. O'Donagough. The gentlemen preferred the latter as being the least costly of the two, only premising before they set out that they should both of them take such heed to their ways as might suffice to direct their return he having business to do which made it quite impossible he could remain during their visit this very reasonable condition was readily agreed to and the conversation en route consisted chiefly of observations relative to it take notice you turn to the right at the bottom of regent street now observe both of you this is piccadilly etc etc at length the street and number indicated in patty's pocket-book were reached and their anxious inquiries for the miss perkinses answered by the agreeable information that they were at home mr o'donagough then departed and his wife and daughter mounted to the drawing-room the act of grisette of the mansion whose lightest labour was that of gentleman woman usher to the miss perkinses may be excused if she found the difficulties of the name insurmountable and announced them as mrs and miss Hotnago the two sisters who had just had time enough to finish the arrangements embellishments and general setting to rights of their little apartment were sitting very snugly and in the most ladylike manner each at her own separate window each with a little round table before her and each employed upon some sort of necessary and important needlework on hearing the door opened they both looked up and on hearing the name of mrs and miss hodnago they both made a grimace and ejaculated who but ere it could be repeated the glorious vision of their bright and grandee friend sailing into the room with all her wonted majesty and followed by her blooming daughter met their view and in the same instant both sisters as if moved by springs governed by one wire clasped their hands started up and exclaimed oh goodness the only difference was that the more ardent feelings of the younger propelled her forward with a vehemence which overturned her little table and brought to view a couple of circulating library volumes which had nestled amidst the stockings and frills with which they were covered miss matilda and patty were as may be imagined speedily locked in each other's arms nor did mrs o'donagough fail to display her habitually caressing propensities but making direct for the slender louisa enfolded her lank form with an energy that for a moment deprived her of breath many and fervent were the exclamations of delight which were uttered as soon as the hugging was over and the four ladies seemed to vie with each other in the strength of the epithets by which they expressed their ecstasy at this reunion for some time the eloquence of each was uttered for the good of all but then patty began to remember the thousand things she had to say which were calculated for the ear of matilda alone and she grew fidgety and restless till she had contrived to draw her confidant to the most distant part of the small apartment but even there she was far from being at ease feeling suspicious that if she spoke loud enough to be heard by her it was nearly impossible that the others should not hear her too could you not take me into your own room for a minute matilda she said abruptly yes to be sure dearest replied her faithful friend it is only the next door and arm in arm they prepared to leave the apartment together when just as they reached the door patty remembered that it would be absolutely necessary that matilda should be made acquainted with the history invented for the entire use and service of herself and her sister and conscious that she remembered not one half of it she suddenly stopped and said 
i am going with matilda into her room for half a minute mamma but i wish before we go you would tell them both all about our being in london and out of it as one may call it and all the rest of it you know mamma about our beautiful house that we are going to have because when she and i are together we never speak of anything but our own particular talk and yet i should like for her to know all about it too the quick-witted mrs o'donagough comprehended the state of her daughter's mind in a moment and equally pleased by her prudence and the opportunity it gave herself of indulging a little in the imaginative style of narrative in which she delighted she replied briskly to be sure i will i want to tell them both exactly how we are situated sit down dear matilda for one minute and then you shall run off with patty if you will matilda expressed with the warmest gratitude her earnest desire to hear everything she would be pleased to have the kindness to say and seating herself close by patty took loving possession of her arm while mrs o'donagough explained her situation as she called it as follows the fact is my dear girls she began we want like many other people of some little consequence in this foolish world to be in two places at once and the consequence is that we can hardly be said to be positively in either a family of high fashion distant relations of the huberts and therefore of mine have taken for the summer a magnificent place near richmond and nothing will content them but that mr o'donagough myself and patty should pass a month or two with them there now most assuredly nothing on earth could be more agreeable than this proposal if it were not that we have such an immense deal of business upon our hands in consequence of our determination to take a house and furnish it from top to bottom mr o'donagough is a man of great taste and perhaps rather too fond of magnificence and i therefore feel it to be absolutely necessary and quite a duty for me to be with him when he is ordering everything for if i am not i feel sure that he will be running into a moderate expense not that i have the least wish to prevent his having everything exceedingly elegant about him a man of his family and fortune of course has a right to it and heaven forbid that i should wish to prevent it only you know my dears that there is nothing like a prudent wife for keeping a man out of mischief when he happens to have a decided taste for expense so i have told mr o'donagough fairly that i will not give my consent to his taking the house or purchasing any of the furniture particularly the mirrors chandeliers and so forth unless i am with him and i have promised delightful as our home at richmond is that i will constantly come to town once or twice a week for this purpose and this promise i am determined to keep however troublesome it may be but poor dear fellow he is so excessively kind and affectionate that he cannot endure the idea of my over-fatiguing myself and if you will believe me he has actually taken a little bit of a lodging where patty and i may have a bed whenever we feel too tired with our morning shopping to return with pleasure to our gay party at richmond is not this kind and thoughtful of him oh dear it's quite beautiful exclaimed miss louisa fervently what a husband exclaimed matilda with a sigh i do assure you my dears that the hope of seeing you now and then by this means is one great reason for my approving it and poor dear party is quite in raptures with the plan on that account we can never thank you half enough for all your kindness to us said miss matilda pressing the hand of her friend and at the same time yielding to a hint conveyed by a nudge of the elbow that they might now retire i am so delighted that i have got you to myself once more my dearest dearest patty cried matilda embracing her friend anew as soon as she had succeeded in getting her to the little space before the window which the navigation round the bed rendered no easy task oh how my heart beats to ask you a few questions 
tell me dearest girl did you see much of foxcroft after we came away oh yes matilda he never missed a day papa and he are thicker friends than ever you'll be sure to see him at our house that is you know when we have got one in town of our own what a delicious idea it positively takes my breath away but tell me dearest for pity's sake tell me did he ever speak of me lots he asked more questions i promise you than we could answer about your family and fortune and whether you had any mother father uncles aunts brothers and the lord knows what it certainly does look rather particular but i say matilda is this great large bed all for you because if it is you might give me half of it you know some day when papa and mamma were gone down to what's the name of the place i wish to goodness it was dearest but unfortunately it is the only bedroom we have we just take what is called in london the drawing-room floor and no more replied her friend so then i suppose that's no go observed the disappointed patty rather gloomily however i have got hundreds of things to say to you and somehow or other we must contrive to be together oh matilda we have got such a man in our house the house i mean where papa has taken the rooms for us to sleep you know such a man matilda as i never saw in all my born days not that he is one quarter as beautiful as my dear jack for in the first place he is as yellow as a guinea and his face is almost entirely covered with coal-black hair but then he has such a beautiful nose and such a pair of eyes if i can't show him to you i shall die alas dearest patty there is but one i care for now talk to me of my poor foxcroft if you love me tell me how he looks looks my dear why he looks much as usual i believe don't be angry matilda but i can't for the life of me think how you came to fall in love with such a red nose as he has got and ever so much grey in his hair besides miss matilda perkins coloured violently and for one moment there was danger that the wounded spirit might burst forth and utter words which would have smothered and destroyed the friendship which united them for ever but better calmer wiser thoughts succeeded and ere patty could be quite sure that her dear matilda was in a passion that tender-hearted creature had so far conquered her emotion as to produce a little nervous titter and reply what is one man's meat you know my dear is another man's poison it would be very dreadful patty if we all thought alike about people good gracious what would have become of me if all men saw with young mr compton hubert's eyes for instance in that case poor dear foxcroft's eyes would never have been turned my way and yet you must allow my darling girl that he seemed to admire me most there was upon the very little table which stood in the window of the miss perkins's bedroom a very little looking-glass and upon this patty silently turned a sidelong glance before she answered her friend's appeal and then with all the good humour which a broad grin could convey she replied oh to be sure matilda how could he help it but ere this was uttered the rapid action of thought had restored to matilda the entire possession of her senses she blank found her fair soul and so to find of necessity rendered it impossible to quarrel with her friend ah you beautiful wicked little creature she said playfully laying a forefinger on each of patty's rosy cheeks you know well enough that as for beauty there is not one girl in ten thousand that can be compared to you but the goodness of providence is too great patty to let all men fix their hearts on one let her be ever so beautiful and that is the reason why as they say every jack can find his jill such as you patty to be sure may pick and choose 
but a poor sort of warm-hearted girl like me ought to and always does receive gratefully the love of a generous and affectionate man even if he does happen to have a large nose and a few grey hairs into the bargain but don't let us talk any more of me tell me darling all that has happened to you since we parted did you go on with the three walks every day upon the pier good gracious no matilda how could i with nobody on earth to walk with that's the plague of it now you see papa talks of london being empty but laura mercy i only wish that i could get acquainted with just one out of every twenty of the well-dressed elegant-looking people i meet i could get up a ball in no time will you believe it matilda i have never danced a step so fond as i am of it since i came to england and i did think that when we got to london i should get a dance now and then but one might just as well be in the woods for anything i see it is a dreadful dull season my dear just now replied her friend but when you get into your fine new house in london patty you will have dancing enough i'll engage for it do you waltz dearest no i never learned but mamma says i shall replied patty i dote upon waltzing resumed the animated matilda i would not confess as much to all the world patty but i have been taking lessons since since i was grown up and i should so delight in teaching you oh i am to have a man-master mamma says but i should like well enough to practise the steps with you first how hard it is that we cannot be together observed patty and what walks we could have together responded her friend have you been to hear the band play at the horse guards yet my dear my goodness no i have heard nothing and seen nothing either except my beautiful black and yellow man in the drawing-room said patty mournfully how we could enjoy ourselves to be sure resumed matilda there are a hundred and fifty things that we could do and see together i wonder if louisa she added musingly but there she stopped and patty stood anxiously watching her lips to catch what might pass them next for she guessed in a moment that her friend was revolving the possibility of turning her elder sister out of bed to make room for her dearest matilda tell me what you are thinking of burst from her at last for matilda still pondered silently on the difficulties of the case come back into the drawing-room patty she said at length in a voice that betokened doubt and agitation and let me bring louisa in here to speak to her for one minute and as she spoke she made her way round the bedpost patty following in silence there is somebody wants to speak to you louisa will you step out for a moment said the younger girl to the elder sister and though she meant to speak in a tone of great indifference and composure there was something in her manner which made miss louisa instantly jump up though mrs o'donagough was in the midst of a most interesting description of the splendour of the peters family and exclaim as she left the room goodness matilda what is the matter matter my dear how foolish you are there is nothing at all the matter only i wanted to ask you louisa if you thought it possible that you could sleep for a night or two on the little sofa in the drawing-room this dear girl is so longing to come to us and i know the connection to be so immensely important to us both but of course particularly to me louisa because of their great intimacy with poor dear foxcroft do you think you could manage it patty says she is certain that he will be continually with them for he is going to be quartered close to london oh louisa think what i must feel tell me do you think it possible the sofa is so very small said the gentle louisa piteously that i certainly don't think i could lie down upon it in any way whatever but i'm sure i would not stand in your way for the world about captain foxcroft 
only you know he is not in town yet and i am so very apt to catch cold if i don't lie warm and comfortable you don't understand my object returned the vexed matilda i know he is not in town yet and may not be for months to come but it is cultivating the intimacy with the o'donagoughs that ought to be our great object now and i see as plain as possible that for some reason or other it would be convenient for patty to be left here for a day or two think louisa what it will be when they have a house in town for them to feel that they have been under an obligation to us i would sooner put them under obligation in any other way rather than to have no bed to lie on replied poor louisa with a sort of prophetic shiver very well then that matter's settled and i dare say i shall never set my eyes on foxcroft again cried matilda with strong emotion go back to them louisa and say that i am not quite well i cannot bear to meet the disappointed looks of poor patty oh dear oh dear what a sad business it always is about a bed to be sure i wish with all my heart that my poor legs were not so long and then i should not mind it returned louisa with a melancholy aspect you are a good bit shorter than me matilda she added with sudden animation and as your heart is so much in it perhaps you would not mind sleeping upon the little sofa yourself not the least in the world louisa i am sure i would do that or anything else to please such friends as the o'donagoughs but to tell you the truth i did not think that patty would like to sleep with you so well as with me you know you have never been on the same sort of footing with her and i thought she would like to have all her little gossip out with me before we get up of a morning that's very likely sister but i don't think it is quite fair to lay such store upon it beggars can't always be choosers you know said louisa with a little approach to asperity beggars beggars louisa ejaculated the greatly shocked matilda in a sort of whispered scream for she trembled at the idea of such a phrase being overheard by the aristocratic and high-minded mrs o'donagough how can you use such frightful such ungrateful language well my dear say no more about it ask your young friend to come and we will manage with her as well as we can perhaps you can let me have the mattress out matilda and one of the blankets and then i could sleep very well i dare say on the drawing-room carpet i am sure i would not stand in your way for the world my dear especially if you think it would make any difference about captain foxcroft this was said with the revulsion of feeling which good-natured people often show when thinking they have been rather cross and it was received by the younger sister with a rapture of gratitude that is just like yourself louisa you are a perfect angel in temper and i am sure you might have your choice among captains and majors too if the men did but know their own interest but if i do succeed this time and i feel as if something whispered me that i should if i do become mrs foxcroft you will have a brother who will be ready to repay all your kindness and if i did not know that i am sure i would never think of him the sisters then returned with all speed to the drawing-room where mrs o'donagough and patty had been employed in looking out of the window and in muttering to each other their hopes and their fears concerning the result of the consultation patty having communicated her convictions respecting its subject to her mamma concluding with a remark that if she were asked she should certainly stay whether her papa liked it or not he did not say a word when you mentioned it i marked that said she but i'll make him say yes if he's asked or i'll know the reason why my dearest mrs o'donagough said matilda passing her sister at the door of the room and approaching the majestic lady she addressed with clasped hands and beseeching eyes my dearest mrs o'donagough i have the very greatest favour in the world to beg of you and if you will but grant it i shall be grateful to you for ever and for ever and what may that be miss matilda said mrs o'donagough 
with a condescending and very gracious smile i hope you will not think me too bold and presuming replied the fair spinster but my sister and i should be so delighted if you would let miss o'donagough pass a few days with us will you grant us this great pleasure my dear ma'am we will take the best possible care of her you may depend upon it you are very kind i am sure replied mrs o'donagough with a little laugh that seemed to say that the proposal was very droll and very unexpected what do you say to it patty oh mamma i should like it of all things replied the young lady hanging herself in her usual affectionate manner on the arm of her friend there is nobody in the world that i love so well as matilda perkins and i shall dote upon staying with her well then i suppose we must go home and ask papa rejoined her mother what my dear madam go home to richmond and take dear patty too before we can get your answer oh dear me that will make it so long no no my dear matilda i do not mean that at all replied mrs o'donagough laughing i have got such a trick of calling every place home which i am going back to if it is only for five minutes but i'll tell you my dear how you may be very useful and get an answer about patty and perhaps take possession of her all under one the truth is that mr o'donagough brought us to your door but was obliged to run away directly on account of having lord lord mercy on me i forget the name but he had lord somebody or other to meet it is certain that he gave me the most exact directions possible how to find the way back to the rooms where we put up when we come from richmond but if you'll believe me i don't remember a single word of it so i shall be monstrously glad matilda if you will walk back with us to be sure i will with the very greatest pleasure replied the delighted matilda and then you know if donny is at home we can ask for patty's leave of absence and if it is granted why she may go back with you at once i will take care to send her things after her this plan seemed to give universal satisfaction for miss louisa though invited to join the walking party declined it from feeling that she should thereby lose an excellent opportunity for making all domestic preparations and mrs o'donagough her daughter and her daughter's friend set off for the incongruous purlieus of majestic regent street together in happy conformity to their wishes they found that mr o'donagough had just entered the house no time was lost in making their petition no time was lost in granting it and within a minute afterwards patty was dragging her friend up the narrow stairs in order as she said that she might help her put up the things that were to be sent after her but after mounting about a dozen stairs the young lady paused and whispered in her friend's ear now matilda if my blackbird is in his cage i will show you what i can do by a song cherry ripe cherry ripe 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 cherry carolled patty in very audible notes as she slowly mounted the last stairs leading to the drawing-room and as she expected the door opened and the apparition of the black head and yellow face was again visible at it patty started ceased her song and dropped the parasol she held in her hand permettez-moi said the spaniard darting forward and speaking in the universal jargon by which all nations seem to fancy they can be best understood charmante donzella permettez-moi and picking up the parasol he presented it to her with a fascinating bow at the same time permitting his great eyes to look their fill both at herself and her friend thank you sir you are very polite said patty colouring and having received her parasol with more than one smiling bow she galloped upstairs followed by her friend well matilda said she closing the door as soon as they had entered her room oh patty he is yellow to be sure 
you don't mean to say that he is as well looking as foxcroft was the unsatisfactory reply to this eager appeal well then you are in love said the disappointed patty but at any rate matilda you can tell me if you think he is a real gentleman why my dear if i was you i would not make any further acquaintance with him unknown to your papa and mamma i have lived in london so long that i am rather used to see those kind of people and i don't believe they are always gentlemen of rank and fortune replied the discreet matilda oh as to that i have made no acquaintance with him at all as yet please to observe but there's no likelihood i should if i am going to stay with you but as to handsomeness he's beautiful enough for a king and that i'll stand to say what you will but come along that's all the finery i shall want and mamma can put out the other things i long for you and i to be walking by ourselves and then we can talk and look about as much as we like won't you rest yourselves before you set out again said mr o'donagough upon their re-entering the parlour to say adieu oh no thank ye papa we are not the least tired are we matilda replied patty no not the least added her acquiescent friend and after a few words between the mother and daughter respecting the packet of clothes which was to follow and a proper proportion of kissing and handshaking the young ladies set off on their walk back to brompton are you quite sure you are not tired patty inquired matilda as soon as they got into regent street not a bit replied patty sturdily then let us cross piccadilly and walk down st james street said her friend i never come to this part of the town if i can help it without just taking a peep at that dear st james park i really think it is the most beautiful place upon earth the well-assorted friends had proceeded about half-way down st james street when their four eyes were pleasantly struck by the appearance of two young guardsmen in full regimentals who issued from the coffee-house at the bottom of the street and walked up the pavement towards them a silent pressure of the arm given and returned between the two ladies did all and perhaps more than all that was necessary for directing each other's attention to the interesting spectacle and they walked on together with a step perhaps rather more dignified and measured than usual but with great decorum and without exchanging a word both the young men were tall and handsome and neither of the young ladies refused them the passing tribute of a stare but what was the astonishment of the well-behaved miss matilda perkins when she felt the arm of her young friend suddenly withdrawn and saw her stand with outstretched hands and starting eyes in the middle of the pavement gazing on the features of one of the gentlemen as if turned to stone by some male gorgon the young guardsman however who was in earnest conversation with his companion did not notice her and pursuing their course they presently turned together into a shop the petrified patty then appeared in some degree to recover herself and grasping convulsively the arm of her friend heaved a sort of gasping sigh and distinctly uttered the monosyllable jack End of chapter twenty